0: Well, hello. It's Wednesday in Hilton Head and hopefully all over the world. So that means it's the day for a new Christians and mental health. I am Rachel Ward.
1: And I am Will Ward, once again here to deliver more intriguing insights into mental health.
0: Um, We are a mother and son, so kind of hitting two different generations. I'm a psychologist with close to 25 years of clinical experience, and I'm what you would call a generation Xer, because I'm 54, and Will is?
1: Uh, 27, so that is a late millennial, but just about there.
0: yeah, so we just discuss some of kind of the insights that I've learned um through research and through seeing probably about twelve or fourteen thousand people. And will gives a little reaction that's maybe a little different or has a different generational spin. So will, our question, our topic for today is, when should I get therapy? right? So when should I seek help for a emotional or mental health problem? Right off the bat, How would you answer that question?
1: Um, That's actually a really good question. I would say it partially depends on the person and the situation. Because even though I went to a Christian college, there was certainly a heavy emphasis on if you feel a tiny little problem, you might need to go to therapy. And maybe it's just the people I've seen, but people seem very trigger happy about when to go to therapy. Whereas I think there's kind of a time and place where it's needed. (laughs)
0: Yes. no, it's interesting generationally, I would say like my parents' age group therapy was very low on the totem pole, very unusual. It was usually like psychoanalysis where you went in, you know, it was very expensive and you went week after week. And it was kind of a Freudian, you know, stream of consciousness. Then I would say my generation really was the time when people started to get super used to therapy. Like it became more and more common over my age, over my lifetime and I would say, like, the generation right below me, so those older millennials, they were, they're were they very, very comfortable with therapy. I think what I see kind of in your generation and younger is they're still very comfortable with therapy, but it's almost like old school. You know, like, it's almost becoming, like, something. It's like when tattoos were really rare, and then everybody got a tattoo, and now it's oh, kind of oh, like, yeah. oh, a tattoo. Yeah, so oh, I yeah. can... I can imagine that your generation has kind of been told that therapy is the answer for everything.
1: I would definitely agree with that. And I think you're right. It's a little passe. And especially during the pandemic, like online therapy became a thing. Yes.
0: Someday we'll have to do a whole 15 minutes about that.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, we could.
0: Okay, so I'm going to just give some ideas about how people can look at therapy. And maybe whatever generation you are, answer some questions about when is a good time to pursue therapy. So first of all, I just wanna say, if you feel like going to therapy, of course you should go, right? Like if you're just saying, hey, I really don't feel good, or I want someone to talk to, or I benefited from this before, therapy should always be something that you feel comfortable with if you wanna go. So right away I would say, the first rule is if you wanna go, go. But then we look at people who say, do I need therapy? Do I have a mental health problem? Am I unusual? Am I sick or whatever? So here's some simple ways. I'm going to give you kind of three simple measurements for how to look at your psychological and emotional health. So the first question that we look at is intensity. So we measure how intense is what something someone is struggling with. So let's look at the issue of like sadness or depression. Are we saying, I feel blue, I get kind of down on myself a couple days, or are we saying, wow, I feel so bad, I can barely get out of bed in the morning and take a shower, right? So one of the first rules for deciding whether to pursue a mental health help is intensity. How intense is this problem? So if you are anxious before a a test at school, totally normal, right? It's something, of course, people get anxious about. But if you get so anxious that it's hard to leave your house, that intensity is really different. So one thing that's really true is people are going to have emotional ups and downs our whole life, right? We're going to have days where we're just sad or situations that make us really sad or blue, or we kind of say, what is this all about? And it's hard to find a reason to keep going but it's, we first look at intensity. So that is question number one. And you try to say like, is this in more intense reaction than it should be to what's going on in my life? The second rule is duration. How long has this been going on? So, you know, sometimes you can be really pretty sad and blue for a week, right? Maybe your hormones are off. Maybe your girlfriend broke up with you. Maybe someone's sick in the family, maybe you don't have enough money to pay bills, or maybe you're just so tired and burnt out that it's just hard to get your mood up. And maybe you have a whole bad week or 10 days. But what if that whole bad week just spreads into two weeks and three weeks and four weeks? Then we start to say, okay, there's not only the intensity of a feeling or a situation, but there's also a duration. How long has this gone on? And so, you know, typically we looked at, at things like intense anxiety, intense uh, uh, depression. And if they go past two weeks or three weeks, we start to say to people, okay, maybe you need to just go talk to someone to see why is this so intense for so long? So some of the diagnoses where we really see that is something like post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, when somebody like it's in a car accident or serves in a war, they actually have two different brands of that. They have acute and long term. So you can actually say, sometimes people, if they're in a car accident, yeah, they're scared to drive for like four months. That's normal and it's kind of short term. And then if they can't get into a car two years later, we're saying, okay, this has really gone on a long time. So we have two even two different diagnoses. Um, so I think it's really normal. People are gonna have difficult feelings, but two really easy measurements are just intensity and duration. And so I think especially for a generation like yours that has been brought up where emotions, feelings and psychological issues have been discussed so much, where for an older generation, that might encourage some people to seek mental health help. Like, hey, you've been sad for too long. For your generation, that can give you a lot of comfort that every bad feeling you have doesn't necessarily mean you have a mental health problem.
1: Absolutely. And I was going to say on top of that, because millennials and Gen Z are a little more free with their emotions, I think it's very easy for people to hear like, oh, I was a little sad and therapy made me feel better, even if you don't know maybe the six months that led up to that. So when you're feeling a little sad because I don't know, you got a bad grade in school for a couple of days, you might think that's a, a reason to go to therapy when maybe your friend had a little more buildup to their visit to the office.
0: Yeah, I might've said this previously in one of our podcasts, but <clears throat> I tell people, especially people who are very emotionally reactive, like they tend to have big emotional reactions to things like maybe they're a little bit more, you know, they oh, or like maybe a little bit more dramatic. I tell people, if you tend to respond with very strong emotions, I have like what I call the three waves. Like when something coming is coming towards you, like a disagreement with your friends or a family problem, let the first wave crash over your head. Like don't respond to it. Let it crash over your head. Let it see what it is. Like kind of see what's still there when the wave goes back out. Then let the second wave kind of crash over you. Then don't react until the third wave comes. Because once you kind of live through the first wave of anxiety, the second wave of anxiety, then you see what's really there and what really the outcome is not what your fear that it is or when you deal with something that seems really emotionally overwhelming. So you don't have to respond to the first thing. And that's very helpful when you tend to get overwhelmed by your feelings. So we're looking at intensity, we're looking at duration. And then, thirdly, I would just say um, extremes. So, like, sometimes, you know, there is something that's only been going on for a few days and you're trying to figure it out, but it's extreme. So, like, uh, somebody, we see this a lot with like junior high kids, especially girls, when they go through a hormonal change. All of a sudden, after a couple of days, they'll start washing their hands every day, like 20 or 30 times. And they haven't really been doing that before. But, you know, it just starts like right away and they start washing, washing, washing their hands and or like someone who all of a sudden believes they're hearing voices, you know, like they had never heard or had not really maybe they'd been odd before, but now they're hearing voices telling them to do things. Those things are out of the norm somewhat. And so you most of us will look always at intensity and duration or, you know, how intense this is, how long. But sometimes there's going to be something incredibly striking. So like someone saying, I feel like ending my life. Or, you know, I think I'm hearing voices telling me to do things. Okay, those things you pursue mental health help for anytime you hear them. So hopefully that's just an easy way for people to look at um, if they're struggling with, do I need mental health help? I think it looks at both sides. Those people who are too resistant to it, And those people who maybe think they need it all the time, you can actually look and say, if I go by those measurements, um, maybe we'll encourage some people who have been struggling for a long time to say, oh, yes, I definitely meet those measurements. And maybe someone who feels like they're always kind of um, worried, is there something wrong with me? They can go, oh, no, this is just normal anxiety or normal worry.
1: Yes, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, I I didn't have much to say about that. I feel very fortunate that I never really had like such a scarring mental issue. I had to go seek intensive therapy.
0: (laughs) That's right. I mean, let me ask you this, though. You talked a little bit about what was available at college. So when you, you were in college a few years ago, what was available to you for mental health help?
1: So they had... Uh, I believe five on campus therapists. And I know I had a roommate one year who went like every week and said it was helping them. I I never really found out why they were going, but Mm -hmm. so you could sign up for for an appointment on the website for for six week chunks. I will say though, from what I heard from most people, by the end of week four, they were kind of like, okay, I think you're ready to move on. So I think there was maybe some, we have so many people and so few counselors, it's we got to feed them through.
0: That's a really interesting phenomena. They know over the last about eight years-ish that the requests for mental health care on college campuses has exploded. And so we're definitely looking at some changes going on in our culture where not only are people more comfortable with mental health, but they're pursuing it more often and earlier. And so it's a great thing for churches to look at, families to look at, to say, Are there arenas where families, churches, friends can be that support for those lesser struggles? So maybe just someone who's feeling lonely. I mean, I think it's very interesting that biblically, the biblical story is built not only around the, you know, God, obviously, is the star of the show, but it's also built around communities. You know communities of people that are supporting each other there's multiple times in the bible where someone will come and counsel or help someone else so like moses when he's in the desert trying to run the whole nation of israel out in the desert his father-in-law comes and gives him counsel about how to break the people into groups and put other people in charge of them. You know, Esther, her cousin counsels her, you know, um, there's just many different, I mean, endless examples in the Bible where um, for those day-to-day struggles, just questions about life, supporting each other in a hard time, that that is something that the mental health field should really be encouraging the building up of community, the building up of families that, certainly professionals have a role in our life but in addition to that um, we can help each other just by being community Um, so i think we're seeing that on college campuses that there's just no way for professionals to do all that
1: oh absolutely and that leads to a nice plug for our Stephen ministry program if uh, you're a member of providence presbyterian church you can find a Stephen minister every sunday and if you are not a member of providence and don't live on hilton head call your local churches to find a Stephen minister near you.
0: Absolutely. And I believe that during COVID, um, they were even, uh, you certainly don't have to be a member of Providence to use our Stephen ministers. Um, But I believe they're also doing some online, you know, just meet and greets, you know, with the Stephen minister. So even if you're out of state and you're struggling, um, you can go to ProvidenceHHI.org. Um, there's a mailbox there on our website and you could request a meeting with a Stephen Minister and they would love it. They love to do it and they're very good at it and well-trained. Well, Will, I think that's just a helpful rundown of a way to look at both if you feel overwhelmed or maybe you've been struggling for too long without help, a way to kind of put professional mental health care in a measurement and also ways that we can just help each other um, realize that normal life has its ups and downs. I always say out of seven days in a week, if three, two of those days you wake up feeling great, two of those days you wake up feeling horrible, and the other three are up for grabs depending on your health, your money, your friendships, that's normal, mentally healthy adult life. You're not going to feel great every day.
1: To be honest, you told me that the summer before I went to college, and that was very helpful going through some of the rougher times there.
0: I love that. It's always good to hear that mother's advice works sometime. Well, thank you very much, and we will see you all next Wednesday.
1: Yes, we will see you all next Wednesday, and if you would like uh, more Providence podcasting, you can hear Kate Keep, read the Book of Psalms, or listen to our our previous services, and you can join us every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 at 171 Cordillo Parkway on Hilton Head Island, or on our live stream, the link to which will be in the description. Follow us on our all our social media channels, which will also be linked down in the description. And if you have any questions or want to contribute to this podcast, please email will at providencehhi.org. We'll see you all next week.